This is Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection, the podcast that talks direct with retailers about all things loss prevention, with your host, Nicole Smith. Did you know that the Profit Protection Future Forum is the only not-for-profit industry body promoting the interests of retail loss prevention professionals in Australia and New Zealand? Welcome to the show. On today's episode, I'm joined by Neil Redfern, Managing Director of Redfern Retail Risk, and Glenn Forrester, National Loss Prevention Manager at Foodstuffs New Zealand. Both Neil and Glenn are on the steering committee for the PPFF, and whilst Neil is a regular on the show, this is Glenn's first time on. So a very warm welcome to both of you, and thanks very much for your time today, guys. Thanks, Nicole. Yeah, good morning. Thanks, Nicole. <laughs> So a lot has happened since we wrapped up season two last year, and we are in unprecedented times, which I swore to myself I was never going to say, but uh, yes, it's come out of my mouth. Uh, And so much has been going on over the last six to eight weeks, and now both countries are in stage three of lockdown with hopes that some of those restrictions are going to be lifted in the near future so we can get back to something that looks normal, whatever that means now. Um. So retail has been affected in so many different ways during this lockdown period, and I wanted to talk to both of you about how COVID-19 has impacted your respective businesses. So let me start with you, Glenn. New Zealand went into stage four lockdown on, I think it was around March the 25th, with only supermarkets, dairies, food banks and pharmacies staying open to the public. Can you talk me through what that was like at the start for the foodstuffs business? Did it go into a panic mode or how, how did everyone react to that? Yeah, well, it was it was quite interesting. So we sort of had been watching the, the pandemic for, for a number of weeks beforehand. Um, and then it really sort of, the, the it skyrocketed intensity probably um, about a week before that lockdown. So we sort of um, got the vibe that there was going to be um, some measures put in place. We didn't know the, the extent of those measures. Um, and yeah, once we sort of, once it became public knowledge that we were heading into a, to a full lockdown, um, that's when we saw the demand, um, just um, unprecedented demand uh, across our supermarkets. Um, and... It, we were deemed that to be an essential service, so we knew we were going to stay open. So the challenges for us were going to be, um, you know, what does this look like? What, what is it going to look like for us going forward? So there was a lot of uncertainty and unpredictability as to um, as to how our business would operate. How did the the team react? Like, because obviously everyone's on the back foot with something like this. You know, no one's really expecting it. How quickly did you have to sort of get together a crisis team? and react to to how this was going to play out in the New Zealand market? Yeah, so our crisis team formed probably in the week to two weeks before we went into the lockdown. Um, but like, like I said previously, the, the the government and the rules that were coming out and the guidelines from government were changing from day to day. So, you know, we had to adapt, um, had to be really, really flexible um, and basically, yeah, just um, – just try and as, as different guidelines are put forward and um, try and adapt them to how they would work across our business. Um, and, and the thing with our business, you know, it's not just supermarkets, you know, we had liquor stores, we had convenience stores and we had wholesale branches. So it affected them all differently. Um, so it was a matter of uh, you're working out um, how we could adapt uh, for each of those situations for, for our different businesses. So did liquor close down then in NZ? Yeah, so uh, for level four, um, liquor was deemed non-essential, so our um, range of liquor stores had to close down. 
Oh, that's a shame. See, we were lucky here. They got to stay open. <laughs> yep. So we, we were still allowed to sell um, beer and wine through the through the supermarkets, but um, just just the the branches that directly sold um, all forms of alcohol, they had to close. Okay. And Neil, most apparel retailers uh, went into hibernation pretty much around the same time, sort of that late March. Uh, time, given the work that you do with uh, with retail, what's been what's that been like for them? Yeah, look, Nicole, it's been certainly uh, quite varied across the nation. Um, Australia is a little bit different to New Zealand in the fact that it, it's quite multi-jurisdictional with its state setups, and and certainly in the earlier stages um, of the crisis becoming more apparent. Um, you know, certain states were taking, um, you know, differences or, or, or minor differences in relation to their restrictions at any given point in time. So from a national retailer's point of view, um, there was certainly, you know, an evolving landscape of, of how this was going to be managed um, in the earlier stages. But certainly um, as it progressed, it, it all became a lot more clearer to the retailers in regards to um, how would they would apply these restrictions to their various businesses. You know, now, obviously, realizing that um, the the retail industry is is severely diverse in relation to its offer um, to the market and the physical uh, environments of the stores. So, every retailer, in their own merit, had to obviously assess and make um, best judgment calls in relation to the continuation um, of how they elected to operate uh, within the environment, or whether they made the choices. To, to fully close their stores or potentially, you know, where available, operate their stores as, you know, click and collect environments or, or move to a pure online uh, environment. Compared to New Zealand, here in Australia, there really wasn't um, a clear direction from our federal or state governments for retail for what's deemed essential business. So, Neil, why do you think some retailers closed relatively quickly whilst others made the decision to work through? Yeah, as I said, I think it all really just came down to uh, how each of these retail businesses were looking at at their operations, and you know, obviously, a lot of them have got different capabilities and scale and size of stores, um, and they obviously made um, judgments in relation to those regulations and how they could apply, you know, a safe working environment for their team members, customers, and other stakeholders interacting with their actual businesses. But what I will say um, from, a, from a very positive point of view is that um, from my observations, the retailers um, all made their best judgments with the information that they had and all did um, what they believed was, was right for their, for their people and their customers uh, in regards to their retail operations. And certainly for the retailers uh, from my what I saw in Australia that the ones that did remain open, the level of diligence in regards to uh, social distancing restrictions on uh, how customers interact in stores, um, you know, additional security, all of those aspects around occupancy management, etc., um, were taken very seriously in Australia, and uh, and and were very visible uh, throughout the process. Yeah, they were pretty quick to get sneeze guards up and markings on the floor. And Glenn, I don't know if you had the you would have had to have moved the as quick as what we did here. But how how stressful is that trying to get all those things in place in a very short time? 
Yeah, no, it, it was. It was. It was. It was challenging. Um, and like I said, it, it just constantly evolved. So, um, you know, obviously the the spit guards or the sneeze guards um, to get them around all our sites. Um, most of them were in play within the the first week, which was an amazing job by our property team. Um, but it would be, you know, other some stores. Some of our stores would come up with some ideas that would be picked up on by by other stores. And you know, we weren't saying that we had it a hundred percent perfect um, in in terms of what we were promoting and telling them to do. Um, but yeah, we we managed to get it all rolled out. Um, we had a fair idea as to as to how it would look, um, and we just constantly fine tuned it. Um, and that was also based on the advice that we were receiving from from a government level as well. And so, did you have queues to get into the supermarkets from an occupancy management point of view? Yes, so that was one of the things that was set out early days was uh, we had to determine what the maximum occupancy was going to be Um, and we knew that uh, it was going to be queue management and and crowd control was going to be essential to the way we operated uh, across all our businesses uh, once we entered in that lockdown phase Um, and obviously just prior to the lockdown phase, um, the two to three days, we did see um, huge demand for our supermarkets and for products in there so um, we were managing the queues um, before we went into the, the full level four lockdown. Um, so yeah, so it was it was something different for for our operators and for our businesses, um, but we got some some good um, guidelines in place and um, and got those the queue management working very very well. Did you have the the same problem with toilet paper get, uh, <laughs> running off the shelf and pasta and things like that, like we did? Uh, yeah, early days it was toilet paper for whatever reason. That seemed to be one of the number one demand product. But, oh, look, it was just all basic essential items. Um, and I think you probably found it in Australia. Um, most people now, you know, home beyond and the, the old household baking, the home baking sort of um, became popular again. Um, the, the long life products, so the, so the canned products and what have you, um, yeah, we're just we're going off the shelf as, as quickly as we could get them out there. So given that you guys have stayed open during lockdown, what have been some of your challenges from a loss prevention point of view? Uh, Probably, yeah, there's a number of challenges that we faced. Um, I mean, first and foremost, we had to – the number one goal for us was we had to continue to feed our communities. Um, you know, we were deemed an essential service, so that was um, our priority. Um, and basically, um, all our stores and our staff in our stores, that was the focus. Um, so a lot of uh, our loss prevention staff and a lot of the loss prevention focus, it didn't completely disappear, um, but we had to reprioritise and, and work on what um, um, what our goal was through those um, through those first few days, first few weeks of the, the Level 4 lockdown. Um, once we got an understanding of how the lockdown um, was, how long it was going to be in effect for and what it meant for us, and then once the customer demand sort of, we could um, sort of predict what the demand was going to be, then we could start focusing again back on loss prevention. But um, those first few days, the, the focus was um, completely shifted. So... During this time, this sort of six to eight week period, have you noticed uh, theft go up, down, or has it remained the same? Yeah, look, um, so look, we have experienced theft. Um, I, I was quite worried um, early days when I knew what we were going into, but um, thankfully for, for us, I would say we've seen less theft. Uh, and I think we can put that down to a, a number of different uh, measures that were put in play um, for the pandemic, for the crisis. Um, but going forward from here um, and I think once we come out of the crisis I think that's when um, we're possibly going to see or we're definitely anticipating an increase in theft across our businesses and probably presents one of the uh, the, the riskier periods for, for loss prevention teams. 
Yeah. Neil, what are you hearing here on this side of the ditch about theft going up for those retailers that have stayed open? It's really mixed, Nicole. Um, but from an Australia point of view, I would say that if, if you just look at um, quite broadly, I would say that there's definitely been um, an increase. And I'll say an increase in the fact that um, you know, at a time when a lot of retailers have been closed. Um, so, look, it's, it's, it's actually something that's actually quite hard to measure at the moment. And I know that reporting in general um, across the industry has actually been quite low um, and that's been driven just by the fact that there are so many other operational priorities at the moment for these retailers to be managing. Um, this is this is a topic that uh, people acknowledge is there but has been you know quite quite a difficult challenge amongst everything else that the retailers are facing at the moment. But just generically you know talking to some of the National loss prevention managers across the country, or, or other uh, uh, specialists in the industry that manage fraud and, and, and those other um, aspects of criminality affecting retail. And generally, what I've I've been seeing and hearing about is that you know a lot of the the, the shoplifting offences that you know have been experienced in the retailers that remained open that some of the offenders becoming um, more brazen in their actions. Um, the, the crimes are certainly um, in, in some circumstances been quite overt. Um, the offenders uh, mix is, is changing a little bit um, and the desirability of, of products is actually uh, uh, changing as well. So as far as what's actually being you know, deemed as highly desirable within these with these periods has, has changed, which is natural and we've seen that in relation to customer buying habits as well. Um, so we're also uh, experiencing and what the, the the teams have been telling me is just in relation to the customer aggression and violence piece, you know, and you've probably seen some of that in the media as well about, you know, customer behaviour. But, you know, certainly I just want to point out it's not, it's not the norm um, and by and large the community and, and the customer base have all been you know, quite understanding of, of what's occurring. But unfortunately, in these periods of time of uncertainty, um, that we, we do unfortunately see some change in behaviour and criminality impacting the businesses. But for me, the, the greatest concern, as um, was just talked about, is that it's probably going to be the post-event uh, that in my mind, will be the next 12 months of more significant risk as it relates to retail, just purely driven by the economic hardship that exists out there in the communities uh, and businesses at large. And I believe that from a, a pure loss prevention and security perspective, that there does, does need to be a, a whole new level of due diligence in regards to you know, how we strategically manage risk within the businesses post um, post this pandemic, um, for at least for the next 12 months due to the risk of uh, increased criminality impacting retail businesses. Yeah, I agree, 100% agree. So, Glenn, what has been the your LP function during this pandemic? I'm guessing that it's sort of you've had to extend past your normal um, normal jobs and tasks that you normally do during the, the day or the week. Yeah, this is, there's been a few, uh, a, a slight tweak, but um, most of it's been in that support function. Um, so it's taking the pressure off some of the stores um, as they go about their core business. So um, picking up on some of the, um, the security functions that are required for them. Um, one of the key things has been the liaison between um, 
with the police. Um, so the police response over here has been in support to retailers has been absolutely fantastic. Um, so we've been meeting or having you know daily, weekly conference calls with them um, and been able to escalate issues to them to address. Um, so and it's, it's been around that, and then just facilitating other security requirements that the that the stores might require um, that they're unable to take care of themselves. Have you seen uh, customer aggression over in New Zealand? Yes, we have. So, so thankfully, um, and as Neil touched on earlier, look, it is only a very, very small uh, portion or percentage of, of the customers that have behaved in that manner. Um, thankfully for our stores, um, they have been few and far between, but we have seen it. Um, most of it has been around um, around the guidelines that we've put in place or the, or the recommendations to do with, with crowd control and queue management, um, the social distancing. Um, and we've found that they've sort of increased the, the longer this lockdown period has gone on. So, we seem to see a bit more frustration, um, you know, out there as we're going into six, seven weeks of this. Um, and some of those frustrations are being taken out um, on our staff, uh, on security and other customers. But look, by and large, it has been um, been fantastic. Um, but yeah, we just had the, the odd incident um, and, and isolated as well, isolated incident that has, um, that has come to light. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's always going to occur in times where we don't know what's going on and, you know, coming, hopefully coming out of it very soon. We're all crawling up the walls and wanting to get out. <laughs> For sure. I am. I am anyway. <laughs> Neil, tell me what happens to an LP function in a business when they've been in hibernation? So the ones that are coming back over the next or that have been coming back over, you know, this week and over the next coming weeks, what does that look like for loss prevention when, once they've been off for such a long time? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And um, as I was saying, um, certainly uh, saying to some of the people in the industry, 25 years of doing this, so we've never actually had this. So it's, it's all brand new to us. Um, and, and talking to a large you know, amount of uh, loss prevention professionals across the industry, they're, they're also dramatically different. You know, you've got the ones that are, uh, have been stood down um, because their businesses are, are totally closed. You've got ones that have, you know, taken a more active um, role in in supporting the you know the success of some of their online businesses and fraud control. Uh, and you've got other LP um, teams that have just been completely run off their feet because their businesses, for example, in the supermarket area, have have, have traded exceptionally well and and they've been working nonstop. So it is a real mixed bag. But what I will say is that for the loss prevention officers or, or managers, I should say, that have been off during this period. Um, it is certainly going to be an interesting return, and and my advice to these um, uh, people leaders would be that it is going to be um, not a walking away from all of the existing policies, processes, strategies that you had in place in relation to managing retail loss prevention, because all that is still very much re- relevant. But it's going to be just a, a a reassessment of risk as it relates to the new environment and what is the new operational normal. Um, some really good diligence in relation to the ongoing reporting and monitoring and measurement of risks um, as they um, occur when the businesses start retrading. And then just course correcting the actual strategies in loss prevention as, as they go in quite an agile way to make sure that the businesses is really protected. The harsh reality is there's going to be things that um, 
have not been seen before or unexpected. So it is really important that the, the loss prevention managers and teams are very proactively engaged and have a seat at the table uh, with all the, the leadership and all the crisis work that's going on within their businesses to make sure they're best protected. And Glenn, in your opinion, the non-essential retailers in New Zealand, for them, is it about starting again or how are they going to pick up from where they left off? Yeah, if, if speaking from, from a loss and security perspective, I, I don't think it is about as starting again. Um, as Neil touched on quite rightly, um, you know, there, there is always going to be theft, there is always going to be risk to the business, um, but it's just different risk um, and, and different different challenges. So, you know, there is no playbook for this going forward. Um, you know, we, we haven't been through something like this before. Um, so it is, it's, it's about identifying what the risks are and what um, potentially how different they are to how we've operated before. Um, and just trying to be, um, just trying to front foot it and stay stay ahead of the game, um, and and just look at there, there might be slightly new ways of working. Um, I think there's going to be, you know, we're going to be expected to do to do a lot more with with a lot less. So um, potentially it's around you know collaborating with with um, other departments within our business, but also looking to other retailers and looking at how we can we can share information and share ideas um, about where, how we're going to um, combat the the potential risks that our businesses are going to face for the next, you know, 12 months going forward. Okay. So let's quickly talk about online sales during lockdown. Um, You know, I've heard some businesses here are doing a booming uh, job in getting uh, their online up and running um, successfully. I think probably here I can't speak on behalf of New Zealand, but certainly here maybe our couriers have let the retailers down a little bit. They haven't been prepared for... Uh, the onslaught of online shopping that's been done. Neil, have you just start in talking with your retailers that you deal with, have you had any involvement in that online sales or have you seen an increase in online fraud? No, look, so so both both aspects, you know, definitely um, the increases are there. But I'll just talk about the online sales piece uh, to start with. So, you know, it's been amazing in Australia Um the, the up, uptake in online retailing uh, has been dramatic um, and sales have been um, extremely strong uh, in that in that physical channel and I think from talking you know, to various retailers the success of the retailers that had a very good omni uh, channel offer uh, were were much better prepared for this crisis than other retailers that uh, were not as prepared or, or had those sales channels. And I think that it's a real good testament to the retailers that were well prepared in this channel, um, you know, to, to be able to pull the levers and, you know, close stores and then continue to generate, you know, a significant volume of income uh, and effectively stay in business through those other channels um, because of all the pre-work investment that had taken place in that online space. Um, and I think that's um, I think that's a real a big learning, and I think that this crisis has also really brought that that message home to retailers: the importance of being able to sell in a multi-channeled environment, and that a lot of re- other retailers that um, during this crisis had to actually effectively build on the run their online presence um, certainly um, 
put their business at a higher degree of level of risk, you know, just purely from the fact that they're operationally building as they go and, and, and things are probably uh, not as considered as, as they would be in a normal planning environment. Um, so there's certainly uh, one, one decent learning for retail. Um, from a fraud point of view, look, um, I think this is a really relevant topic and, again, a topic that at this stage of the game um, in what are we looking at, probably about four to six weeks of of serious lockdown, and I'm just talking for Australia at the moment, it's still probably early days in relation to the full extent um, of fraud exposure to the retailers. But uh, talking again with the industry, you know, yes, there has been um, – um, certainly uh, increased activity in that area. You know, certainly uh, transactional disputes, financial chargebacks, um, higher review rates for transactions coming through. Um, and Australia certainly hasn't been immune to all the other fraud-related risks that are, are certainly out there at the moment in relation mm. to, you know, impersonating different brands, um, setting up fake retail shops, you know, phishing and, and malware and all of these frauds that are COVID-19 related messaging in relation to email, text and phone attack um, have, have also been present and unfortunately taking their toll um, on the community as well. But um, I think that fraud is always an evolving topic. You know, times of crisis like this um, really play into, you know, uh, fraud risks quite heavily um, and retailers need to be extremely aware of these risks and not blind to them uh, because they can have a considerable financial impact um, to the to retailers operating in this space during this period of risk. Mm, absolutely. And Glenn, over in New Zealand, um, I'm guessing you've had a similar type experience with uh, online fraud or transactions increasing, which is always good for the retailers uh, for online, but also an element of fraud. Yeah, yeah, we did. So, so those... Um those retailers who were able to or deemed essential services, um, they, were, they were still able to operate um, in an online capacity. Um, our business didn't have um, the online offering, um, but yeah, like in Australia and elsewhere in the world, the, um, the uptake and the, the number of sales through that online function you know, increased dramatically. Um, one of the key things over here was around um, prioritising those online sales um, and especially around the, um, the members of the community, members of the public that were de- deemed vulnerable. Um, so that was one of the key considerations early on was um, how can we prioritise them so they can um, receive you know, their essential goods and what have you um, because they didn't have the ability to, um, to go face-to-face to the supermarket. So, so that was a key consideration early on. Um, and yeah, it's just you know, looking forward, you know, sort of looking to the crystal ball um, how online sales going to going to play out over the you know the next couple of months, six months, and onwards? Um, fraud is constantly evolving in online fraud, um, and I anticipate yeah we will see a shift to that. We will see the criminals shift further to that um, as as that online uptake remains high. So um, it's something that we've got to be as loss prevention loss prevention professionals um, and retailers. We need to be constantly aware of um, that risk that it presents to our businesses. And I guess as customers, as we start to shop more online, given that we've had to over the last six to eight weeks, um, yeah, that fraud will translate across into online as well, as well as having to look after what goes on in bricks and mortar. So, Neil, how do you bring a business back after lockdown? Um, Look, I I think that 
the main priority always in this in this time is the safety of um, the team and the customers that are are coming back to interact with these businesses. I know um, a lot of these businesses that have been in a closed down state have been uh, making significant preparation uh, for this period. Um, and the approach that retailers will take, um, whilst there'll be you know, commonality, there'll be differences of what that physically looks like. You know, some retailers may take a staged approach of reopening. Some might, you know, depending on the scale of their business, open all at once with with different ways that they interact and transact with their customers in store. Um, and and there'll obviously be a lot of consideration given to you know how all of that comes back. There will be differences. Um, customers should not expect that their retail stores or the way that they've shopped their retail stores historically um, will be the same. You know, if I look at the apparel retailers um, or retailers that specialise in certain aspects, whether that be in cosmetics or 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 fittings or or whatever it might be in relation to more personalised services, um, you know, makeup sessions, stuff like that, a lot of those things will change and will be changed for quite a long period of time, depending on on the retailers and the advice that's being given um, by the government. So, I think it's going to be a real time of consideration, not only from the customers but also from the retailers, and there's going to have to be a lot of adaption. Uh, to how these stores actually operate and run. There are significant challenges for the retailers that are coming back to trade. Um, I think everybody listening to this podcast, you know, from a retail operations point of view will, will, will just understand straight away the significant bodies of work that are having to be done in the background to just make these retail businesses operate and run, you know, the availability of supply chain, the availability of even just basic things for stores like hand sanitizers and, you know, public toilet paper and, and all of these things have all presented real operational challenges for retailers throughout these periods. Um, and and that that is just, you know, one aspect of the business. There are so many aspects to a retail business, whether it be the people element, you know, the supply, the financial, the commercials that have all got to be looked at in relation to how these retailers operate uh, in the new world when they return from a period of closure. And Glenn, what happens now? Now that you're coming out of restrictions, um, I'm assuming that the government is going to, you're going to lift a little bit further, a few more restrictions are going to come off in the coming weeks. What happens now? What does it look like for New Zealand? Yeah, so our next uh, reassessment or, or government decision comes out on Monday. So that will mean whether we move from level three down to, to level two. And I think what we'll find uh, in level two, if, if we move to that, is there will be uh, more retail businesses will be able to open. But, um, you know, as, as Neil touched on um, just in, in his last answer there, um, the operational challenges uh, for those businesses uh, are, are huge. Um, and look, there, there's a, a lot of work that's been going on in the back 
background, but until the, the government actually comes out with well, what does level two look like, um, you know, a lot of those can't be enacted. So, um, and there's such a variety and so many different aspects that, that business need to be focusing on. So, um, so there are going to be some, some huge challenges there. Um, for us, um, as, as a, in the supermarket industry, I don't see too many, cha- uh, too many changes for us um, as we move through to level two. I think there's still going to be that element of um, the social distancing is going to be required. Um, there is going to be, um, you know, the queue management um, uh, and all the other elements that we've got in, in play inside the business. So there won't be too many challenges, um, or sorry, not too many challenges, too many changes for us. Um, and it's just, it'll be interesting to see how long this, this sort of stays in effect for um, as we move through level two and how long we're sitting there for. So guys, we've reached the final countdown, the last three questions. I'll start with you, Glenn. If you could look into your crystal ball and know what was know now what was going to happen, how would you prepare for it? Oh, I think I would have taken out shares and PPE companies would have been the, <laughs> the first thing I would have looked at. Um, oh, look, I, I don't think it's about crystal ball gazing. I mean, you should always be looking forward. Um, but for me, it's um, it's also looking at what we've done in the past. So um, for us here in New Zealand, you know, we have had some major events and major crises. We've, you know, we've had the earthquakes, we've had the um, the terror attacks and what have you. And, and obviously, Australia's been through their, um, you know, natural disasters as well. So it's about... Um, looking back at those events and learning from them. Um, but I think that the two key things um, is, is around resilience and being able to adapt um, and, and just not being complacent. So it's always challenging what you're doing um, and making sure that it's, it's fit for purpose. Um, so for me, that would be it, um, just making sure that you know we are fit for purpose going forward, uh, constantly challenging what we're doing, um, not just doing it for the, for the sake of it. Um, and yeah, that'd probably be how I'd look at it if you know if I had the chance to look into it. Okay, and Neil, if you could look into the crystal ball. Yeah, um, I totally agree with everything Glenn um, just said. Probably for me, um, I think this really brings home the importance of um, business and corporations uh, of any size, really, just having really. Um, well-rounded business continuity plans and crisis management planning um, activities within their organisations. You know, when I look at the amount of um, activity that happens in that space and the scope of, you know, considerations that go on, you, you, you know, I can only imagine 12 months ago if I was sitting there and openly talking about, you know, I think we should put a lot of effort into planning for a pandemic. People would have just looked at you funny. Um, but, you know, it, it's amazing. It, it's when you look at how quickly this event evolved and the global impact of this type of event, um, it's a real strong reminder to the how delicate um, business and the economy actually is and how um, important business continuity and and crisis management planning is for large organisations. I think that there's going to be um, an amazing body of work um, that's going to come out of this and an amazing body of learnings um, that a lot of businesses will take on um, with the benefit of hindsight and be able to definitely, uh, having been through this and had having to have adapted so quickly and literally moved mountains in organisations, I, I can't I can't begin to describe the amount of effort and work 
that retailers have had to do within a short period of time, you know, for their businesses, their customers and their people to, to make their businesses safe and continue to serve the community um, or take hard decisions. It's just been unbelievable. Um, but yeah. I think at the other end of this, they're going to come out with some really strong learnings um, and and everyone's had a, a really good experience now in relation to crisis management and what that really truly means to the sustainability of an organisation. Yeah, I think the retailers have done an amazing job for the ones that have stayed open. You know, it's brave to do something like that. Um, in a time where you don't know what's going on for the retailers have closed. Once again, that's brave to do that. Um, and then to keep their businesses running with an online presence and, uh, and adapting to that. I also think that vendor, their vendors have done an amazing job to get those sneeze guards up in time, to get, um, temperature checks going, to get uh, the decals on the floor, that sort of stuff normally takes time to do and vendors have turned a lot of stuff around very, very quickly. So I think they, um, along with the retailers, have done an amazing job. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely, you know, um, agree with that. It, it's amazing. The the amount of work that has been done in such a short period of time is, is, is astounding and all at a time uh, when, you know, uh, the, the basics of what we need are restricted. Um, so, yeah. yeah, hats off to everybody. Glenn, what's the most important thing you've learned from going through this pandemic? Yeah, well, I think you've, you've touched on a couple of things there, Nicole, um, around how everyone has pulled together, um, you know, in, in, a to- in challenging times and times of uncertainty. Um, everyone has come together to, to get the job done. And, um, and I think that's just absolutely fantastic, um, an incredible performance. Um, and it's right across, the, right across the businesses. So, you know, our frontline staff, the work they're doing, what's going on behind the scene, the suppliers. Um, so just the way, you know, um, in that short period of time, there is no rule book, there is no playbook, but everyone has, um, has come together um, so we can all try and get through this pandemic. Um, but for me, some, some keys, again, it's back to that, that flexibility and just being able to adapt and, and change on the run. So, you know, you might hear something one hour and then the next hour something else changes. So it's having um, the ability and, the, and the, the process in place that you can, you can make those changes. Um, and then it also comes down to that, that your communication skill. So being able to communicate um, effectively. So that's both, you know, and, and listening to what the feedback is coming from the stores, um, from, the, from the staff on the front line, um, actually hearing what What's going on, um, and, and making sure that you know what you're you're putting in place isn't going to impede on what they're doing at, at, at their end. So, um, yeah, it's it's that that probably be the key areas that um, that I've learned from this um, from this crisis. I think that flexibility is huge because normally as humans, we don't like to change and we don't like to change very quickly. You know, we like doing what we've been doing for the last thousands of years. So I think that has been a huge learning for everyone as humans that suddenly, you know, sometimes we do have to adapt to change. Um, Neil, what about you? What's your biggest learnings from this? Um, I think that the the importance of the collaboration aspect, you know, continues to be really important. It's been quite interesting watching, you know, the way all the retailers are adapting the tactics and strategies that they're putting in place within their retail environments around how they're managing their business, social distancing, you know, the controls in the stores. You know, I think we've all been learning from each other on this journey. You know, you you mentioned sneeze guards um, before, 
that was something that you know you never you never really saw and then once you saw you know a retailer take that approach and other retailers saw it you know they they started to see the value in that process and they've they've adapted quite quickly and the same with other technologies that we've seen around around temperature screening and and other aspects and and depending on their businesses and and the criticality of their businesses is really um, again governed the level of investment um, that they're 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 tangibly making in relation to controlling some of those risk factors. So, you know, I think the learnings, um, are, you know, that collaboration um, part is really important. And uh, just talking with your industry peers and professionals about how you know you're all interacting and 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 making sure you're doing your best. You know, me personally, and and talking with some of my peers, you know, we've been watching very very closely around the world um, at retail businesses and and what's occurring you know, from a government point of view uh, in different jurisdictions who are all at different points of this crisis um, and looking at you know places overseas where they've started to return back to trading and, and seeing what learnings we can glean from those environments that are at different stages of the crisis so I really encourage people to actually do some diligence and understand and and keep well connected um, with industry peers and and really you know look at what's happening. There's been so many webinars and so many different learning vehicles um, available to you know all professionals in different industries throughout this period. It's been amazing. Um, so there's no shortage of information out there to help you guide um, the decision making process. So. Um, yes, yeah, certainly some very important learnings for the industry um, about how to learn off each other and collaborate throughout this period. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's important that if pe- that people reach out when they need help, they reach out at a time like this. So, you know, I think that's a good point you've made. Um, Glenn, lastly, your advice for loss prevention getting back on track. Yeah, I think we've covered this off earlier as well, Nicole. Um, I think two of the things that we can sort of predict going forward is that, that retail crime is going to increase. Um, so once we come out of these lockdown periods, and it's been shown, you know, previously um, that, that potentially that's what's going to occur. Um, and also we're going to be expected, or loss prevention is going to be expected to do more with with less. So, um, so I think that's the key for us in terms of um, how loss prevention is going to be, you know, for the next six, twelve months, eighteen months going forward. So in doing that, it's around you know working smarter um, and, and how we can. Um, keep our eye on the ball and keep our eye on that big picture. So we need to identify what are the risks in the in the new world and, and what is the new norm going to look like. Um, but loss prevention is going to have a, have a key role in that. Um, the ability to multitask, so uh, not only looking after the, the loss prevention function, you know, there may be, may be elements of health and safety that, um, that creep in as well that we need to, need to work alongside. Um, and we just need to look at the trends. So, um, again, tapping into all that, um, that expertise that is out there and, and we're seeing those new ways of communicating now, um, as Neil said about the webinars and what have you. So jumping on and, and seeing, you know, what's happening in Australia, what's happening in America, you know, what's happening in New Zealand. 
and just trying to get a better understanding and then sort of um, prepare yourself, um, f- you know, for that potential hit to your business going forward. Um, and also that, that collaborating with other retailers. So, um, you know, if we have got less resources, then the ability to, um, you know, to pull our resources and share resources, you know, where we can legally and, and looking at those um, those recidivist offenders, those offenders that are potentially going to come in and do some massive damage to our businesses. Um, and they're, they're not just going to stick to supermarkets that are offend across you know multi different retailers so um, I think there's a real space there for us to, to come together combine collaborate and work on um, how we can we can tackle those offenders great advice Neil well I absolutely echo all of that um, and he certainly covered <laughs> he off stole um, your answer <laughs> yeah, <pretty much. laughs> ditto on that um, look look for me I, I will I'll just answer it a little bit differently because everything Glenn said is spot on um, but what what I will say to um, you know, and I'm and I'm looking at this as that um, where we are as of today, we've got a lot of retailers that over these next two weeks coming will start to return um, to uh, retail operations within bricks and mortar environment. So, for me, the loss prevention teams or managers that have actually not been um, who have actually had had the opportunity to effectively um, not be working throughout this period. To me, the, the, the ones that are really um, at the top of their game have been doing all this research. They will know within themselves uh, and, and within their businesses potential risks that are going to involve. They will be strategic and they will be planning right now um, so they're actually going to hit the ground running when they, they physically come back. So it's, 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 it is definitely a period of risk um, and as we've talked about, the, the, the change of the landscape and the, the real increased rush into more digitalization of the retail industry um, is definitely an area that loss prevention um, and cyber and, and all of those resources in retail need to pay particular attention to from a risk management point of view now and make sure that they've got very robust strategies in relation to how they manage those elements. As Glenn talked about um, and as I've talked about, I, I strongly believe we will see a different landscape in relation to criminality impacting our businesses over at the minimum of the next 12 months. So your crime prevention and crime management strategies from a retail point of view as it relates to loss prevention do need to be well considered um, and, um, and well, well, well mapped out in relation to how that is going to be managed within your organisations. And again, I just want to really come back to this point take the learnings from other retailers, see what's happening locally and internationally and and keep up to date with networking and make sure that you're you're taking as many learnings on the, along the way that you can apply to your business. Don't just look at your business in isolation. Guys, that's been very good advice, I think. So thank you so much for your time today and sharing your experiences and thoughts during this lockdown phase. I know it's been difficult for... Uh, businesses, uh, the pressure's being put on and I think you've all done an amazing job. So, um, you know, I really appreciate you spending some time with me today and we hope that um, everyone's families are safe and well and our thoughts are with all people that have been directly affected by COVID-19.
If you'd like to get in touch with Glenn or Neil, you can find them on LinkedIn or you can email them at the PPFF website. You can subscribe to this weekly podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts and Spotify, and there's a link to download episodes and show notes on the PPFF website. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Profit Protection Future Forum. It is written and produced by myself, Nicole Smith, and Manu Prasanna, and is kindly hosted by Wooshka. In the next episode of Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection, I'll be talking to some of our other committee members about coming out of hibernation. I hope you'll join me next week so we can keep talking all things profit protection. Thanks for listening to Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to find out more about the Profit Protection Future Forum, head to ProfitProtection.co or find us on LinkedIn. Drop us a message on info at ProfitProtection.co with feedback on our show. 